what do you do if uh, the market's upside down 25%? It takes, you know, and it drops 25% this year and 15% next year. And, you know, that's a 40% S&P drop, but maybe you lose 30. What do you want to do then? It's not a guaranteed 4%. So you need to have other accounts to withdraw money as the market is dipping so you can allow that money to recover. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome in to Retirement Reality Podcast. I'm Ben George, along with Mike Coynan, founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. Today, we're talking about pride, being overconfident with your retirement planning. Mike, we know the saying, right? Pride cometh before the fall, but it's so true with finances, too. If you get overconfident, you better watch out. Yeah, we see it all the time. And I think you know we see that uh, the cockiness sometimes is that in sports and we say well mm-hmm. pride comes before the fall but it can happen in your finances and we see it we see it time and time again where people are so confident that their way and their plan and they have it all figured out it's going to be the, the right way yeah so we're going to talk about some areas where people get a little overconfident in their financial planning and how it can impact things negatively. We'll also try to get to a couple of mailbag questions later in the show, which you can send in to us via the website, principalpreservationservices.com. That's also where you can connect with Mike and his team, schedule a meeting to uh, spend some time with them to get your financial and retirement plan in order. And if you haven't started doing that, never uh, never too late or too early to begin that process. So you can uh, get connect with him there, but also you can call Mike's team at 855-987-8888. How's everything else going, Mike? You getting ready for a little trip, I hear, huh? Yeah, we have a, uh, a European trip. We're going to Greece uh, this uh, this week. So awesome. I've never been over the Atlantic, and uh, it'll be my first first uh, voyage up over that way. So we're looking forward to that and a little re- you know, relaxation. We've had a hectic summer, spring, summer, um, early fall, um, you know, with kitchen remodel, our third daughter, all right, I say our third oldest, our second daughter, oldest daughter got married here just recent, and things just been hectic. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a vacation is due. So we're looking forward to this. Are you gonna, Are you able to relax on vacations, or do you always like have something going on where you're go go go? I used to, but I'm I'm uh, I'm big relaxation guy. Okay. I, I like to do a couple little sightseeing. I like to you know um, see you know what the country has to offer, but I'm not one that's going to run run run. I like the beach and I like the sun <laughs> right. and I like to relax and, uh, and I like to exercise on vacation. I think actually almost every day I will actually go to the gym because I, I don't get time to do it as enough um, here during the work schedule. But when I'm on vacation, I really enjoy that, uh, just having um, our time to ourselves. Very good. Well, we hope you enjoy it, um, and hopefully people will be tuning into the podcast whenever they go on vacation. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, please make sure you do that, uh, the Retirement Reality Podcast. We have two new episodes every single month, so we appreciate everyone that is tuned in for this one. So let's talk about this conversation today on overconfidence, Mike. You know, there, We all know the, the proverb, uh, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So mm-hmm. we know about this, but let's talk about how it manifests itself in financial planning. And let's talk first about the stock market. I think a lot of people right now might be a little overconfident in the stock market and their ability to maybe manage their portfolio. Because when times are good, Mike, you keep looking at, hey, what's that next milestone I can have? What's that next plateau that I can reach? 
Yeah, um, we see this. I just had this uh, conversation last week. We had a seminar, and you know, the husband is like, "I'm, I got everything kind of figured out." And he goes, "I manage my own money. We're going to be just fine." And she's like, "I know nothing. <laughs> you know, I know nothing. What's going on uh, with this? And if something happened to him. I, I'm, I'm going to be lost." But it's that confidence because you know the market has been really well. It has been really good the last decade, especially. But even the last two decades, you go back. And, you know, I've said this before, and it's in my uh, company video, I say, it's really not that hard to grow your portfolio and, and not to downplay it where it's not, because I know there's a lot of sacrifice has to go in there. Uh, but if you have the ability to put money aside in investing the last couple decades, your accounts are going to be in a lot better place. It, the market has grown considerably in the last, you know, two, 20 years, and especially in the last, you know, 10, 11 years. So when you look at that... Um, if you're able to invest them, you know, we look at where the S&P 500 was been in um, March of 2009. I think it was like 666 or something awful. <laughs> and where it is over, you know, 43, 4,400 bouncing around right now, considerably a different place. And if you're contributing over that time and you get dollar cost averaging, you should have a, a, a pretty nice nest egg. So when I say that, it's not hard to grow your money. If you're putting money aside and there's a lot of sacrifice in that. But when people look at that, the, the next five, 10, 10 years might not look anything like the previous 10 years. And also, we're also older. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, when we look at some of the last few crashes, well, 2007 to nine, that year and a half time frame, you know, the last one ended, that was, you know, last one ended 12 and a half years ago. You know, so, you know, if you're 65, you know, you were, you know, lower to mid fifties, you know, and you had time for the market to recover. Now you don't. So, don't get overconfident in the market because um, things can happen in a you know in the blink of an eye with the market. We saw that last year with the coronavirus and what that did to the market in just six weeks, 34% down market. Best case scenario, it came back really quick, which is uh, not normal. Right. And when I think of overconfidence too, Mike, I just think that people don't maybe manage their risk as much because they don't, they don't see the opportunity of losing money, right? They're like, well, I can just kind of take on whatever and I know it's going to keep going up. So what do I have to worry about? Yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes we do these risk assessments and we just see that, you know, the, the high risk they're at. I've, uh, uh, this one gentleman we met with not too long ago, and he talked about he lost like 60% in, you know, the last uh, real estate bubble. It was nice. more than, he was more aggressive than the S&P 500. He goes, I don't want to go through that again, but yet we do the risk assessment. He's in the same place. If the market was to go back, uh, take some, do pullback, anything similar he'd be in the same spot and it's like people you know don't change sometimes uh what definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over but expecting different results and mm -hmm. yeah you have to measure that risk you're at are you in some aggressive stocks or uh, you know what are you in most people when you get older you are down you should be downplaying your risk some you don't need to take on that level of risk all right how about the overconfidence and having a certain amount of money will make you comfortable in retirement like i think the obvious one is hey once i get to a million dollars i'm gonna be pretty good shape to retire but that overconfidence how can that play out mike yeah we're just talking about two different things you know having hitting a hitting a mile mark is great i think that's a nice personal goal but that shouldn't be a retirement goal uh because hitting a million dollars might be enough for your retirement uh it might not i see a million dollars is not enough for a lot of people's plans that we put together, uh, the way they spend money and the way they want to travel. Uh, a million isn't the same today as it was 10 years ago, is it? So um, 
again, it's nice to have that goal. I think that should be great to have these these mile markers, and um, you know, <laughs> you know these little things that uh, you can pat yourself on the back. But you have to make sure you're saving enough money for the plan you have, and not necessarily looking at a you know you're there, you've arrived. Um, you know, success is a journey, is not a destination. We've heard of that before. So when you you know just because you hit a mile marker doesn't mean you're done. Uh, uh-huh. Keep going and make sure you're working with somebody to, to get a plan together and not just look at this big number. And I think that's what, I'm not trying to badmouth Fidelity, but they came out with this. They publicly came out with this. I'll state their name is over a year ago is they said you should have 10 times your last year's income saved for retirement. That should be, you know, that's kind of like their retirement planning. And so if you made $100,000 your last year of uh, of work, they said you should have a million dollars. And that's their retirement plan. I think that's just ridiculous. Because I've seen people who have expenses of four thousand a month. I see people who have expenses of eleven thousand a month. So obviously, you can see which one's going to last longer. If you have a million dollars in each of those plans, uh, the one that spends a lot of money is not going. It's not going to last maybe twelve to fifteen years at, at best. Yeah, and and you you talk about kind of that general rule of thumb. Well, that's that's another one that I think people get too confident in, right? Like I, I can withdraw four percent of my savings mm-hmm. each year. I need X amount of dollars times my income to to feel good in retirement. These these rules of thumb. It's another reason why we talk about customized retirement planning because these rules of thumb, while generally they're okay to kind of follow to kind of get your your bearings on where you are, you can't follow them to a T. Exactly. Uh, you you have to be able to pivot, and that's what we tell our clients. I said, they said, which accounts are we going to take money out for this next few years? I said, we don't know yet. I said, it all depends where the market's at. We have to be flexible and be able to take money out of maybe this account and this you know these years and this account, but we could flip flop uh, because we don't know where the market is. You would never want to sell your money in a down market, um, just like you don't sell your house in a down market like a you know, decade ago, the real estate bubble roughly. Why should you do the same with your investments, your retirement account? So um, a lot of people don't think about the distribution phase of life, and they think it, because it was so, again, it, the money kind of grew fast uh, for most people this last decade. And they think this distribution phase is going to be just as simple, but it's not. You have to have a plan in place and you have to have some flexibility and you need to have multiple accounts to make this work. If you all your money is sitting in one account, uh, a 401ks, especially employer-sponsored plans are going to uh, hinder you. They're going to handcuff you. You're going to limit you what you can do in retirement. So you need to be working with a p- professional to find out what is the best option, how to distribute your money. And that 4%, yeah, overall, I think that's that's reasonable, but... What do you do if uh, the market's upside down 25%? It takes, you know, and it drops 25% this year and 15% next year. And, you know, that's a 40% S&P drop, but maybe you lose 30. What do you want to do then? It's not a guaranteed 4%. So you need to have other counts to withdraw money as the market is dipping so you can allow that money to recover. Well, I think people that are listening to this podcast probably do a pretty good job of staying educated, right? I mean, that's that's the goal is to try to continue learning. And when you think about financial planning, there's just so much out there and so much information to try to really not only get a grasp of what's out there, but really truly understand how different things work can mm-hmm. be difficult. But there are certain people that feel pretty confident and often overconfident that they understand exactly how their investments and how certain products work. Yeah, and when it comes to like investment products, um, these are something that these um, self, you know, self investor, you know, the ones who want to invest, manage their own money, they don't really have access to do it themselves. They have to work with somebody. Uh, but they, 
you can do all the research you want, but you cannot, you know, you can go to TD Ameritrade, um, open up an account and put investments in your accounts and you can manage that. But there's no way you can actually get other products yourself like a, a variable annuity, which we don't do, uh, we're not a fan of, or index annuities or things of that sort, or even a, a life insurance um, index universal life plan or something like that. You have to work with some professional to do that. And when you're not doing that day in, day out, and you can't actually say, I'm, I'm going to open up the account and do the paperwork yourself, you have to work with some professional to do it. Most people don't understand that. And we see the biggest confusion, I brought up variable annuities for a reason, is because most people who have variable annuities, I would say it's the, it's higher than 9 out of 10. It's got to be like 95 out of 100 people uh, who have these do not understand how they work. And um, so when you're not in this industry and this is not your um, what you did for a living, that wasn't your career path, you have to really work with somebody who's going to explain what these uh, these products and how they do work because there's a big, big misunderstanding. I've seen um, not even on the financial side, but I even see it on the estate planning side, super intelligent individuals, bank presidents a few times thought their estate plan was working one way when I had to tell them it wasn't. And they didn't like me for, for saying that, but I was being honest with them. I even confirmed with a estate planning attorney. I mean, I know I'm getting off the beaten path a little bit, but it comes that pride issue again, that you, you just assume how things are going to work. And, um, and sometimes when you surround yourself with yes men, people that you know, do what you tell them to do, doesn't necessarily mean that's the best plan for you as well. And you have that overconfidence uh, in how these you know estate plans and in, in, in these products work. So make sure you're working with. Um, that's why we're, we're a big fan of working with fiduciary because we have to put your best interests out there. We're not back end in, incentivized. Yeah, and I, and that kind of takes us to our our last point on overconfidence. It, kind of along the same lines is. You know, a lot of people are really overconfident in their own decision-making process, and it's good to be confident and it's good to feel secure in your decision-making process, but they get to the point where maybe they feel like, I, I do things a certain way, I'm very logical, I make very sound decisions, I don't really have anything to worry about, and that's where the overconfidence can come into play, where you think you can't do anything wrong. Yeah, and, and there's a lot, anything can derail you at this point, and so um, it could be a health situation, it could be a freak accident or... Um, you know, health health situation comes up where you're now you're bound to, uh, to the hospital bed, or you know, could be a, a week, could be a few weeks. I mean, my own daughter-in-law, um, at under 30 years old, was in the hospital for a week. Something. I mean, she, mm. who who would have thought that? Yeah. And so things like that happen, and you're the one who's day trading and, and watching over your accounts. Things like that derails you. It derails you. And what do you have? Uh, who, who's going to manage that? And if the market. If you're supposed to be, you know, short trading, you're in the market and out of the market, and um, what's going to happen to your your portfolio in, in something like that? I even had a couple we met here recently, uh, maybe six plus months ago. They were on vacation. They told us a story. They were on vacation in the Baltic Sea <laughs> at in, in the fall of 2018, and the market was dropping, and they were gone. They were in a, this doing this whole European trip. They couldn't get their money. They had no access to the Wi-Fi in the ship they were on. Jeez. And uh, they heard about it, but they couldn't do anything about it. And they took they took a beating. It wasn't awful, but was, they didn't want to take these losses. And they uh, when they got back, they said, we just can't do this anymore. We're trying to enjoy retirement. We thought we could do it, but we can't. Uh, they came to the realization. And sometimes, you know, that fall comes and realization hits you. 
And uh, that's when they, they changed their portfolio, says we're never going to be in that situation ever again. And uh, they started working with um, a, a retirement planner at that time. Yeah, those, those kind of stories will open your eyes. And, and yeah, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this today. It's, it's good to be confident in what you're doing, but to, to have too much pride and becoming overconfident can really hurt you in the long term with your retirement plan. And, and, and also, Mike, I guess in your role you know, as a financial planner and working with people, you, you kind of have to be there to help keep people in check too, right? To make sure they don't get too overconfident. Yeah, I I can only be the you know um, tell them my opinion and what I've right. seen and and tell the stories and and uh, give them the warning signs. It's ultimately their decision, um, you know. But I'm I'm upfront and bold with them. I'm not going to be the yes man. I tell people, you know, you're a good spot or you're not in a good spot, and these are the pros and cons of what you're doing. So you know, I said we can only help the people who want help. And unfortunately, if there's too much pride in a situation, we can't be that much of a help to people. Very good. Well, and I've seen it sometimes too, Ben. Sorry to cut you yeah, off, but sometimes I see, you know, and I'll pick on the guys. I see, you know, eight, nine times out of ten, it's the guys who are controlling the finances. Uh, that's what we see majority of the time, and we kind of see the the look in the gal's eyes are like help. <laughs> you know, it's almost <laughs> like it's like a puppy in the corner, like help me. Right. And uh, but he's like, no, I, I got it my way. We're fine. And it could be a bad situation. Something happens to him. Well, you know, oftentimes we we, we look at uh, asking for help as a sign of weakness, right? And that's maybe why people get in, get into trouble sometimes. Is they, hey, if I'm asking you for help, Mike, it means I can't do it myself. But it's okay. That's yeah. what you want somebody there that can help you through these things and help you understand these, so you don't make any mistakes along the way. Because it again, it's your future, and you want to make sure it's protected. So, if you want to sit down with Mike and his team at Principal Preservation Services, go through some of these things. If you have any further questions about what we've discussed. Please uh, get in touch with them. PrincipalPreservationServices.com is the website. And also you can call them directly at 855-987-8888. Got a couple of mailbag questions to get to, Mike, before okay. we close out the show. Uh, first one came in from Joel. says, I know that I need an emergency fund, but instead of keeping money in a savings account, can I just use my home equity line if I need money in a pinch? Not a big fan of that. I think uh, you know, using a home equity line of credit... Um, you know, rates eventually go up. I know home equity lines of credit rates are low right now, but that's not a true emergency fund is, is adding debt. You know, so our goal is you to have a true emergency fund. This is cash. Either cash, stick it somewhere, you got a safe in your home or put it in the bank. You should have three to six months of your expenses in uh, emergency fund while you're working. In retirement, six to 12 months, depends on how aggressive and how much spending you're doing. Um, so, not a fan of adding debt as your emergency fund. Just like I'm not a fan of um, if you had a, a non-qualified retirement, a non-IRA account that you said, I'll just take money out of my investments uh, if I need it. But you could be selling those investments at a bad time. And it takes a few days to get that money when you initiate the trade. So I'm not a fan of that. You should have money that is liquid 100% and not adding debt to your estate. Thank you for that question, Joel. We got one more from Jackie. She says, I never hear anything from our financial advisor unless I call him myself and this bothers me should I be bothered or is this okay yeah I'd be bothered um, yeah so I don't know which uh, type of advisor you're working with if it's a broker dealer or fiduciary most people don't understand or know uh, we can direct them that way by the license licensing they have but yeah you should be having scheduled meetings you know with your advisor and when you became a client what we do is we we asked them, what is your preference? I mean, we said the minimum, the, the bare minimum in person is one time a year. Okay, but we're going to have other touch points along the way. We're going to be sending you updates via email and some videos. 
personal videos that we record and send that out to our clients, uh, market updates consistently, phone calls. Uh, what is your preference, though, to have in-person meetings? Some people are so busy, they said we could just barely fit in that one time a year. Some people want to come two or three or four times a year. You have to set that up with your advisor, and if they can't abide by that and um, fulfill your need, uh, I think it's best to find somebody who can, and somebody should be on top of your accounts instead of just investing, investing blindly into some investments without some advice. That's wrong. Yeah, Jackie, hopefully that helps you. If you want to get a second opinion or, or talk with Mike about anything, please get in touch. And if you do have a question for the show, you can send it in to us via the website, principalpreservationservices.com. And again, the number to call Mike and his team is 855-987-8888. All right, Mike, we'll let you get packed up and ready for Greece. Can't wait to hear back from you. You have to get back. Have Looking forward vacation. to it. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, right. Ben. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.